Huawei founder says Chinese giant doesn't need the U.S. You hear that, Will? They're fine without them. Hmm. They don't need them. Hmm. They're, uh, they're doing business still. So, uh, goes by the name Ren Zhangfei. Of course, we've talked about him many times. He he has a unique, a unique way of speaking, and sending messages both to the U.S. as well as Donald Trump himself. Now, in the beginning, when the trade conversation kicked off, or the lack of conversations, there's another way to put it. Uh, he had that had interesting interview referring to Huawei as a, as a plane that needed repairs. I loved that thing. Hmm. He's like, we need many parts. We need some repairs. We'll fix it up. Uh, but he's kind of changed his tune a little bit as time has progressed. Well, a I'll get to a, uh, uh, the next story is a little different from this one, actually, which illustrates the contradictory nature of the, the the way in which this communication takes place. But the Chinese telecom giant hasn't yet received any expressions of interest from U.S. companies to buy the intellectual property underpinning its 5G technology, this story via the Wall Street Journal. So apparently there was a pitch to license the 5G tech so that it could be manufactured elsewhere. Maybe that would alleviate some of the skepticism around utilizing Huawei technologies, you know, uh, most of the apprehension centered on security, national security. Who gets to build the networks? Mm -hmm. Whose technology is in place here? Who built the hardware, more importantly? And is that is that hardware secure and reliable? Or is there a back door? Oh, yeah. Nobody likes a back door. Yeah. Oh, they can be useful if you have one. I mean, in our building, we have to have a yes, door. fire code. Yeah, it's fire. All yeah. that stuff. Yeah, code. Maybe that's all they were doing. Well, those were just yeah. just emergency backdoors in this in the in the hardware in the mm -hmm. tech hardware. We'll never use them. Just yeah. case just have a, them there. Case there's a fire. You see that? Yeah. Did we just land on something there? In case Maybe. there's a global fire. You see what I'm doing? Mm. Conspiracy theory here. No, that's not what I'm saying. I don't know. Obviously. Uh, anyhow, he says now we can survive very well without the U.S. In fact, he says, why is everybody talking to us about the trade war? We were never doing business in the U.S., which is true. They weren't selling here. But, of course, that's kind of an oversimplification because they were buying from U.S. companies and, and then they were prohibited from doing so, or at least it became more complicated. So they do interact with the U.S., even if you can't buy Huawei devices in the U.S. But nonetheless, he says... People are focusing too much on us because we're, we're, we're doing fine elsewhere in the world. In fact, they have projected a major fall off in, in business in the, in the coming period post-trade situation, mostly, mostly around the inability to continue using Google software in the full-fledged way with the Play Store in markets where that's very important. Now, maybe we haven't seen the full extent of that yet. As far as the negative impact is concerned? I mean, it just started with the Mate 30 Pro. It takes time, right? Mm -hmm. It takes time. There's, there was stuff still on the shelf that could be compelling to people in, in Google-centric markets. But nonetheless, they kept booming. They kept booming, Will. Mm. In fact, uh, some numbers were up for them. 
The company has said revenue for the first time in uh, the company has said revenue for the first nine months of the year was up 24%. He initially forecast a $30 billion revenue hit from the blacklisting, but it's up as far as right now is concerned. Another interesting thing here, Huawei says, look, we're out here putting up 5G tech in the form of base stations at 5,000 per month in other markets. 5,000 base stations per month in other markets. And they continue to say the same thing. Look, you want to do it without us? So be it. But we ain't slowing down. Mm -hmm. And and they're also saying you're going to fall behind if you're if you're relying on other technology companies to deliver this 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 stuff because they they feel like they're so far ahead mm -hmm. in this department. He's not completely shutting the door. They have found some ways around U.S. restrictions when it comes to. Getting the tech necessary that goes inside of their eventual products. They've done so by moving factories offshore or at least utilizing the fact the offshore factories that exist for some of these big manufacturers, including Intel and Qualcomm. It's a way around the US restriction if if the if the source is located geographically somewhere that doesn't fall within that restriction, then what, what can the U.S. really do to enforce it? Huawei's president of corporate strategy said in an interview that the purchase of U.S. technology is at 70 to 80% of its previous level. So they are trying to knock it back still because, of course, you would be afraid that that lever or that knob or that button could be pushed again. And so now they're looking to diversify their suppliers that said will up until this point it's still there's some stuff you rely on u.s suppliers for uh, great examples being intel and qualcomm the communication stuff and the chips and so forth uh software too we still haven't seen this this alternative in a big way to android that they're supposedly working on maybe working on again mixed messages there where they said yeah we could be ready to go with this in five minutes Okay, they didn't say five minutes. Maybe they said uh, five weeks. Maybe they said five months. But we don't have anything yet. Yes. That looks like a valid alternative, particularly for the markets, Western Europe, European markets, in a, in a Chinese market, less important. Mm -hmm. As we've talked about in the past, uh, people aren't as tied in to the Google services, the Play Store, things like YouTube, where we are right now. So this brings me to my next story. It's in the same line. But it's a little different, and it, it's it's maybe a little contradictory to what what was said in the previous article. Huawei's billionaire CEO said Trump should meet him in China because he can only afford a paper airplane. <laughs> I I like this stuff. This is what is the, what are these tactics? This is some kind of shadow game going on here. He's, he's very, a billionaire. He's very good with uh, poems. Like haiku. It, yeah, it's not really, it's not really speaking the way we're used to, is it? No, it's no. kind of, uh, it's all suggestive. Yeah. You fill in the blanks. Um, yeah. It's 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 philosophical. Yes. Yeah. And you're left. There are things that are left open to interpretation, but I like it's fun. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe people within the company that are afraid for their future aren't finding <laughs> the poems as entertaining as we are. They probably want a clear message, at least most of the time. But as an outsider, 
this is kind of fun, particularly if he's talking to Trump, who there, there ain't no poetry there, Will. That's just straight up. It's the opposite, in fact. Yeah. There's nothing left to the imagination. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's funny. He says a paper airplane. It, the, the entire quote is even funnier. He has private jets, and he can come to China anytime. And I do not have private jet. My airplane is only made of paper. If it rains, it might fall. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Yeah. He's he's speaking. He's constantly trying to remind you that as successful as I am, I am not the whole thing here. He's essentially trying to say, you're talking about the president of the United States. I am this guy behind this tech company, distancing himself from the Chinese government constantly over here, saying, look, I'm a small, I'm a small fish. I'm a fly on the wall. Stop paying so much attention to me, which is an odd position, especially juxtaposed against Trump, who's always, I am the blue whale. Mm -hmm. As the, as a, you know what I, compared to the fly on the wall, mm -hmm. or the elephant in the room, mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't really work. The elephant in the room is generally what you're not talking about. If Trump's in the room, it's going to be hard not to talk about it. Right. You see, he's, he keeps going to these various events, and it's it's loud when he shows up. He showed up at a UFC event. He showed up at a baseball game. Mm -hmm. uh, recently, the Washington Nationals showed up at the White House to celebrate having won the World Series. Anyway, he obviously can afford more than a paper airplane, but he's suggesting that he is easier to crush than Trump himself. It, it, that's why he adds the piece, if it rains, it might fall. In other words, the projectiles being fired his way could obliterate his company. In his opinion, he's speaking very free market, which a lot of the, the skepticism is that Huawei isn't so free market, but instead too intertwined. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's great. It's beautiful. It's fun. Mm -hmm. I like this. Now, of course, I'm speculating as well, but I have the words here to go on. I don't have a channel of communication with Trump. I don't have his mobile phone number. When asked if he would speak to Trump, he says, yes, I certainly would. Now, that's a change as well. That's a contradiction from what he said in the past. He said in the past, if he calls, I won't pick up the phone. Remember that quote? Yes. So the, this is some Jedi games going on. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'll pick it up. Maybe I won't. It's like a relationship, Will. Keep it open. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you play hard to get. Yeah, like uh, with the ball in your court, my mm. court, kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you want to meet up later? Yeah, I don't mind. Oh, you don't want to? That's cool too. Yeah. You see how you see you see how that goes? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, can't make it. Oh, cool. No problem. You know, I got this other thing. Mm -hmm. Got this other thing. So like, uh, very fluid. It's really interesting. Uh, so anyway, this this quote, this story coming via Business Insider. Forbes puts Ren's net worth at $1.4 billion, but who, I mean, who really even knows? In the past, he's called Trump a great president. Then he said he'll ignore his call. He also said he might be too busy if Trump wants to visit. <laughs> Anyhow, it sounds like everything's getting a little bit more pleasant because we have this uh, early stage deal, what they're calling phase one of a trade deal. 
set to set to be signed or sealed. And so maybe now you start talking in a more pleasant fashion. Maybe now you shake hands and maybe there's a way here for everything to be sorted out. Uh, how old is Trump? Because uh, Ren is 75 years old. Trump got to be 70 something, 73. You see, these guys, they came up the same era. Yeah. They came up, uh, they better get it sorted out quick is all I'm saying. If they're going to sort it out, or maybe maybe not. Maybe don't even bother. Maybe just leave it where it is. We'll see what happens. But nonetheless, the battle for 5G communications, it all hedges on Ren Zhang Fei's paper airplane. Mm. Sort of. I mean, it does to a certain extent. Yeah. And Donald Trump's private jet. Mm. Isn't that wild? Uh, moving to Apple... Moving on to Apple. Actually, we only have one Apple story today, so the Apple uh, haters in the audience should be happy about that. Apple lovers, I apologize. One Apple story today. We had a lot of Apple stories recently, so I think it's okay. We go for one today. Apple expected to sell at least 20 million iPhone SE2 models in 2020. Uh, this is, of course, speculation, but it's coming from Kuo Ming-Chi. That's the guy. This guy's in the news all the time. Yeah. He just, he's got something new to say about Apple all the time. We should have him on the show. You sit over there. Right there. He is like a prime analyst. I just want to put Ming-Chi right there. You think he'll come? Somebody tell Ming-Chi. We'll talk about these 20 million. We'll talk about what's next. He's got so much to say. Apple is rumored to be working on an updated lower cost iPhone SE 2. The name's a bit confusing. This coming via Mac rumors. It's not going to look like an SE at all. Apparently, the form factor, it's going to be like the iPhone 8, which I guess Apple is still selling. I was skeptical of this strategy since Apple started it. This idea of just keeping the old model around as the budget model. Naming and marketing is so important. Big fan of what they did this year, just calling the, the budget version the 11. And then the other ones are extra. Because the 10R and the and keeping the old models around with the old names as the budget models, it makes you feel like a second-class citizen. You go out and buy that thing. It does, yeah. So even SE2 sounds better to me than iPhone 8. 8? We're on 11 right now. SE? Oh, it's special. I'm special. Special edition. That's good enough for me. I like that and so forth. And the SE, when it first came out, it had its own kind of fandom around the similar thing if they had it just left it as iphone what five or whatever it was based on it just has less of and it's just a name cost you nothing mm -hmm. sit there in the boardroom you book the boardroom don't you it's a big problem in companies cor uh, large corporations how do you get how do you book the boardroom you see that well anyhow you sit in the boardroom you just you just uh take an afternoon you drink a couple coffees all of a sudden se2 we just change the name on the eight Update the internals, and we sell it for $3.99. And guess what? Guess how many you sell? <clears throat> Probably a boatload. Hey! So it's not the the product. It's actually the name that... Uh... No, I'm just saying... I'm just saying. It, it will be a new product on the inside as well. I'm just yeah. saying let's not downplay the importance of how a product is pitched to you. It's... The entire marketing component, which 
it starts with a product, then goes to a name, then you have a campaign. Just decide how you want to communicate something. And the way it was being communicated in the past, just keeping the old one around in the store, and yes, people were buying it because their budget allowed for it, let them feel like they're getting something current as well. Because it's not really going to require that much extra from you to just change the name, maybe a couple extra colors, whatever it is, to make it a little bit fresh for that group that's interested in that product. I think it's a, I think it's a good move, and that's exactly what they're doing here. He believes they're going to ship at least 20 million units, maybe even 30 million units, not an insignificant number. He also says it will use a 10-layer substrate-like PCB for its motherboard, which will benefit various iPhone suppliers. So you know Tim Cook, always worried about the supply chain. Supply chain guy, that's what they, that's what they say at least. Mm -hmm. So uh, finding efficiencies in that department as well. The rest of it, a lot like the old generation iPhone, 4.7-inch display, single-lens rear camera. This is the interesting part, uh, a Touch ID fingerprint sensor. So keep that kicking around because some people, Trump included actually, getting back to Trump, he, he likes the button better. Remember that tweet? Oh, yeah. yeah he yeah. said... He tweeted at Tim. He subtweeted Tim without tagging him. And he said, hey, Tim. Was it, hey, Tim? How, I don't remember how he started it, but it was beautiful, the casual nature of it. Tim, the button was better than the swipe. Bye. Caps. To Tim. To Tim. The button on the iPhone was far better than the swipe. Exclamation point. He hasn't tagged Tim, though. No, no, no. No, 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 no. To Tim. You, everybody's got to know who Tim is. Yeah. That had 141,000 hearts on Twitter, by the way, that tweet. That's wild. Anyway, at 399 bucks, it will replace the iPhone 8, which Apple currently sells for 449 And you still see those out in public. You still see that form factor out there. Some people are happy with it, Will. And at 399 you know it's interesting. Because as I've said, and I'll continue to say, price is the feature. In 2019 in smartphones, Price is the feature, and then everything else comes beneath it. It's so competitive in the marketplace right now. We were talking about electric cars earlier. We've talked a few times about the upcoming truck, the Tesla truck, and we have some news about it, actually. We've seen some pretty wild renders at this point. A lot of people skeptical, some very excited. Of course, Elon, when he first was discussing it, showed off that little teaser at one point, said, this is going to be ambitious futuristic, and hopefully not look like what Will's showing us right now. <laughs> Some of the renders are obviously uh, having a bit of a laugh, a bit of a joke. He says it's the most exciting product he's ever worked on, as you would say if you were the CEO of a company putting out products as rapidly as they are, particularly in automotive. Uh, his brother as well put out a tweet which I thought was interesting. I am most excited for the Cybertruck I am most excited for the Cybertruck than any Tesla product since the Model S. It's going to blow your mind. Triple emoji. Uh, I think the grammar's a bit off there because I, it was hard to read. I am most excited for the Cybertruck then. I am more excited for the Cybertruck. Yeah, mm. that's why I read it. Like It should say more. Anyway, Kimball Musk, he's a busy guy as well. He's got the cowboy hat. His brother's Elon. How can he not be busy? His brother's got him busy. He's farming and doing food, and he's got a whole different thing going on, as far as I know. Anyhow, he is uh, tweeting in response to the initial tweet from Elon, putting a date on the release of the new Cybertruck. So we have news about this cyberpunk truck, 
or Cybertruck, I guess it's called now. That's what Elon just calls it. Here's the tweet. Cybertruck unveil on November 21st in LA near SpaceX rocket factory. Now, the speculation has begun that possibly that's a strategic move and maybe the truck rolls out pulling a rocket or something, mm -hmm. towing a rocket. Very cool. But then again, people said the big rocket is elsewhere. It's not, it's like in Texas or something. I don't know where it is. But maybe they just get a small little makeshift small rocket. Mm -hmm. And it's in maybe a, maybe a tiny rocket's in the bed of the pickup. That'd be cool. Or just, tow, or just towing it. That'd be fine as well. Or maybe there's none of that. Maybe it's just you got access to SpaceX and you're in L.A. and there's a lot of people there anyway. So yeah. maybe that's all you do. I'm excited for it. You know, I have a truck. Well, I like trucks. There's no real electric trucks that are out right now. There's some exciting stuff happening. We've seen some, some models, mm -hmm. prototypes, and things like this. But this one, it just sounds like it's going to blow our minds. Everyone's telling us it's going to blow our minds. Maybe it's going to blow our minds. What if it looked like this, though? No, it ain't going to look like that. No, would you get it, though? <laughs> if it looks like that, Kirk's the first one in line. <laughs> uh, I think most people agree it's going to look more like the thing next to that. So... The reason people people freaked out on the renders is because of the original leak. And it just showed that front weird line. And then people had to imagine what it might look like. And then also on top of that, we know that Elon and Tesla, they've been really into this idea of as much glass as possible with the windshield to give that open air feel. So what is the truck equivalent of that? gigantic windshield and i think that's why the renders started to look the way they do of course he added the cyberpunk word and blade runner and all the rest of it the stuff that gets me juiced up and so now we're here but who cares at this point november 21st is not that far away will we don't even need to we don't even need to do this render stuff anymore uh-huh we just sit and wait now for the event it's going to be very exciting uh november 21st i don't i don't think i I don't think I can go to that, but but who knows? Maybe we'll do a live, maybe we'll do a broadcast when the event happens. Should ask Elon to send him over here. Yeah, just bring it over here. <laughs> you got more than one, don't you? Bring the whole event over quick, here. Quick road trip. Bring, the bring it in the back of the Tesla Semi and just roll past. Yeah. You got a garage door, just... With the rock. Beautiful. Too. No, that would be too much special treatment, but... Uh, anyhow, I'm excited nonetheless. He says it's his personal favorite, but he's saying great things about it. One thing I will say, Will, when you come out and make these kind, you put these words out there prior to your event, you're setting the expectation yeah. real high, and, and it's a lot to live up to. But if anyone can do it, he can do it. The other interesting point: starting price forty nine thousand dollars, supposedly. How? How? Wow. How? Tell me how, Will. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very affordable. I think uh, a lot of people would get it. Yeah, Musk said Tesla is looking to ensure that the Cybertruck will be attainable for customers. His quote, you should be able to buy a really great truck for 49000 or less, he said. I I don't know. It's, I'm I'm going to be amazed if they can hit that. Wait, 49 is the top? It's not starting price? No, he said you should be able to buy a great truck for 49000 or less. They'll have some that are more than that. Oh, but okay. he's suggesting he they have, their version at 49000 will be a great truck. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You follow, you follow all that, Will? <laughs> Try it. 
Yeah, it's tough. There's a lot of words here. It's it's a lot going on on a on a, on a typical day. It's a lot going on. Uh-huh. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll wait and see. November twenty first. Exciting. SpaceX HQ. Lenovo One will merge Windows and Android systems. Okay, so this is a really early, uh, early situation, early look into something that's developing. This is coming via Giz China. According to recent official reports, Lenovo is working on a new system that will merge Windows and Android systems. Lenovo One will merge the smartphone-friendly Android with laptop-friendly Windows. And they show off a slide here of how that will work. It looks like this presentation took place in China. Obviously, it did. Uh, And if you look at the slide that was showcased at the event, you'll see one of Lenovo's laptops, which says Lenovo One on the screen, and then you see a smartphone to the right of it, and then you see a Bluetooth logo in between the two. Lenovo One refers to, uh, appears to be a new system for smartphones in the 5G era. So for some reason, they've also illustrated, it's been important to signify that the, the smartphone is 5G capable. So it wasn't actually part of a presentation. It was uh, a Weibo post by the looks of it. And the caption, Windows and Android will merge into one. Now, there's a lot of speculation taking place exactly how this will happen. Uh, It seems to be it will be some sort of mobile screen projection that possibly over, you'll have enough bandwidth, uh, maybe even beyond something like Apple AirDrop or Huawei Share, that you would have enough bandwidth to potentially just have your smartphone experience on your laptop and, and maybe vice versa cross-device connectivity, uh, one-button fast transmission for file transfers and other functions. Mm. So this is maybe in line with some of the stuff Samsung was thinking about with DeX, that your phone and your laptop kind of are the same thing or increasingly becoming similar. According to the officially released screenshots, Lenovo One supports Bluetooth quick links. And the, com- and the computer reversely controls the mobile phone to transfer files at a high speed. The screenshot features a Z6 Pro 5G, that's a Lenovo smartphone, and the ThinkPad X1 Carbon. So, again, very speculative at this point, but it got me thinking about how these devices interact and what the operating system of the future looks like. Increasingly, we're doing more on our smartphones. It's funny to me, I'm using Windows laptops recently and these i i do primarily i do almost everything i do in the chrome browser to be honest mm-hmm. it's kind of funny in fact how much of what i do gets done in the chrome browser and then you start to think what would an android is it chrome os is it something else can it be a hybrid can you have a a windows android hybrid we had microsoft of course put out their their new products, including give us a look at their upcoming products, the Duo and Neo, which is some completely different version of Windows trying to be that hybrid as well. Of course, for Lenovo, it makes the most sense to merge the two because they already have devices with Android on them and Windows on them, if they can find a way to do that. But it gets you thinking about that futuristic operating system and what it looks like. And how much it's tuned to mobile and how much it's tuned to the traditional OSs that, that exist. Or maybe it's one device for both. Maybe you see a futuristic laptop, which is kind of just a shell. It's the hardware. But really, 
this is this is the brain without a physical dock because of the throughput available now through these new technologies. Imagine your phone your phone goes with you everywhere you go anyways. Yep. So imagine there's this these things can be incredibly thin and light if they're just a just battery, really. A giant battery to potentially charge your device, a keyboard and a display, mm -hmm. and a lot less hardware. And they function as an external monitor. Mm -hmm. And the horsepower is on the phone as much as possible. I mean, this it has existed in a few different ways, but is it the future? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. But nonetheless, it appears Lenovo is one of the companies working on something like that. Microsoft, you mentioned, also. Speaking of laptops, I saw this article on cultofmac.com, and it caught my attention because of the headline. I mean, it's an unusual headline for a Mac-specific site, particularly a, a Mac fan site, basically. It's for Mac fans, Cult of Mac. I mean, it says cult in the headline, in, in, or sorry, in the title of the cult of Mac. They're admitting. Yes. That, have I gone too far in the title there? Well, maybe, possibly, probably, usually. It's memorable. The MacBook is a disaster. Can Apple fix it? The headline is the MacBook is a disaster. That's pretty bold. I, don't, I didn't even go that far, and I'm not cult of Mac. I just said, hey, I, the keyboard's a problem. Yeah. Otherwise, I kind of like it, but th this guy goes in, into even more depth as to why he considers the current Mac to be a disaster and also kind of retrospectively looks at previous MacBooks and how at one point in time, and I was actually one, a person in this camp at one point in time, people used to, MacBooks were so good that people used to recommend you install Windows and run Boot Camp as, the, as a Windows laptop alternative that partially has to do with the fact that Windows laptops at the time weren't, from an industrial design perspective, weren't really pu pushing many boundaries. So that could have been another reason. But I remember once upon a time, I had, when I had the shop downtown and people would come in with MacBooks that they wanted to upgrade or something like this, and they would just be primarily running boot camp on it. Huh. Or even before that, Parallels, which was a third-party software, mm. uh, which was a virtual... Uh, you would have a virtual window into Windows. And people would primarily live in Windows or they'd have some accounting software they had to run in Windows and, but they would still gravitate towards a MacBook because they liked the, the package the way that it was once upon a time. So he references that in this particular article, but he talks mostly about why this current version is a disaster, pointing, of course, to the butterfly keyboard, which many people have had issues with. Uh, I've covered that extensively. But then he just, he goes into a subject which I had kind of just left out of my mind for a long time having been on MacBooks and every version of MacBooks, ports. <laughs> Dongle life. I just got over it. I just, I had been on MacBooks for so many years. I just accepted the fact that you don't have ports anymore. But then switching back to Windows, it's been so liberating to have ports hmm. on a laptop, particularly a professional, not necessarily an ultra book, but but a a workstation. Let's say that's just, I did that twice in this. I'm never doing that again. Oh, by the way, I just I flicked my fingers in the quotation kind yeah, of bunny yeah, the, ears thing, so I'm never guy. doing it again. It's really embarrassing. Which but. port do you use? That you well, on this on? one, I use the SD card slot every day. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's uh, we use a lot of SD cards eh? around here, but in a professional environment, presumably. That's a possibility. SD cards, they're floating around in professional environments. It's possible. 
another one that I could see utilizing that you're using, actually you're using dual dual versions of it right now, is HDMI. You need a do you need dongles for HDMI. Uh, you could have is this one? Yeah, this one has a full size HDMI port. The ThinkPad, the uh, 15 inch ThinkPad, also has a full size HDMI port. You have traditional USB ports on here. Uh, sometimes at home, for example, there'll be like a charge cable floating around for some device. Uh, there'll be a PlayStation controller that has the old school, and and you could just. It's just more versatile. It's it's really not even an argument. It's just more versatile to have a variety of ports. I get it. The Type C connector is the future, absolutely, but it's just your life is not there yet, mm -hmm. and so you end up with dongles to a certain degree. It, it's crazy to even talk about, but I really feel you forget if you live the MacBook Pro life in 2019 with a recent version, you you kind of become numb to the fact that you can't do those things. You're just accepting, like, okay, fine. But then it's actually on the flip back that you realize how convenient it can be to have access to that. But it's not news. Everyone knows this, but it's interesting to see it referenced on a Cult of Mac website where you feel like everyone has kind of uh, accepted their fate when it comes to the current state of MacBooks. Anyhow, he goes into a couple of other subjects where he says it's a disaster. Upgradable storage and RAM. Well, that's been a long time in MacBook land. But of course... We've got this uh, upcoming MacBook, which aims to alleviate some of the, at least the keyboard likely on this upcoming 16-inch MacBook Pro. But it's a curious thought. Imagine, Will, that this upcoming powerhouse 16-inch MacBook Pro, imagine if it has multiple ports on it. Imagine it had an HDMI port. Imagine it had an SD card reader. Is your life better or worse? Tell the truth. Oh, definitely better. It's better. Like, even with one SD card reader, that would be, like, so much more helpful. Convenient. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know, but you're not going to get it. I highly doubt it'll happen. Obviously, articles like this exist, but for whatever reason, it's... Everybody, they want a very clean thing going on. And you just... Ports don't look that way. I look at the side of this laptop. Yeah, it's all these weirdly shaped things. I mean, I'm not saying I feel that way. I'll take the convenience. Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. I know, ports, but I just like, feel like they're not going to do it. I mean, this thing has tremendous ports on it. <laughs> Let's just do a real quick. This is the new 17-inch uh, Razer Blade laptop. It's got a full-size Ethernet jack. It's got two traditional USB ports on this side, as well as a Type-C connector, which is Thunderbolt 3 capable. It's then got a headphone jack over on the other side here. We have a full-size HDMI port, another traditional USB port, then a Type-C connector again, uh, Thunderbolt 3, and a full-size SD card reader. Okay, so not that we needed a recap. I made a video about it upstairs, but I just feel like as a reference point, I'm really speaking to Mac users right now because I was using exclusively Mac laptops for so long. The feeling is incredible when you just pop an SD card in. Mm -hmm. Yes. It had it had tremendous number of ports on it. It was the SX thirteen something or other. This is a Fujitsu laptop we featured recently. Oh no, that was the Vio too. The we Vio, looked at yeah. two laptops in a short period of time. Two Japanese laptops in a short period of time. It was the Vio SX, and it was also a Fujitsu laptop, which we featured on Unbox Therapy. Which, if you're looking for a thin and light laptop with a tremendous number of ports to liberate your port anxiety, 
liberate yourself. They exist too, if you want a thin and light. But it is a different package once you start cramming all those ports in there. And maybe this one takes it a bit too far. But there's some ports, like we mentioned, that just on a daily basis we're using. And so anyhow, we'll see what Apple does. Maybe we could start a petition. Just throw, let's do the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Let's do an SD card and let's do an HDMI. And then, and then everything else can be Thunderbolt 3. Cool? One USB-A? Okay, fine, deal. We're not getting an A. There's no chance we're getting an A. It's too chunky. Yep, it's too chunky and old-fashioned. We're not going to get that. In SD card slot, we should be able to go, because how many people use a MacBook Pro with a, with a, a high-end digital SLR? It's just so common. Or in a production environment that has SD cards sitting around. Anyway, nonetheless... Uh, HoloLens 2, Microsoft HoloLens 2 starts shipping. Uh, somehow this was, wasn't was on my radar. Of course, in a recent episode, I was talking about augmented reality, AR, and Apple putting a focus on it and referencing having tried the original version of the HoloLens. I have not seen or tried HoloLens 2. It's going to be pricey, $3,500, but it's on sale, going on sale now. In the United States, Japan, China, Germany, Canada, United Kingdom, Ireland, France, Australia, and New Zealand. Those, uh, those are the markets it was previously available for pre-order. It looks like they really improved it in almost every single way. It supposedly is more comfortable. It's still not completely lightweight at 1.3 pounds. Most importantly, it has a wider field of view, which the previous version kind of a bit claustrophobic. It was less convincing the AR effect because it was this this window that you were looking at this narrow window so increasing the field of view I think is a probably the single biggest factor in creating the the conv the convincing type of AR experience experience where these things just exist in in your augmented version of reality that you're witnessing uh, some other things about it You'll notice new gestures for opening the start menu. Uh, you can simply tap on the palm of your hand. And there's a Microsoft logo there, which will trigger the start menu. It's still Windows 10. Eye tracking has also been improved, especially over lar larger distances. And there's uh, some new holographic processing stuff as well in there. The coolest thing, I mean, if you look at it, the video that Will is showcasing here, it's... It's kind of amazing to imagine the applications for this mm -hmm. and to, to just sort of imagine a future in which everything is this fluid and it looks the way that they showcase it in their promo video. A couple of examples here. There's a guy fixing a motorcycle and he's got all the information available to him within his field of view while still seeing the motorcycle that he's working on. That application seems incredible mm -hmm. in automotive, in production, in manufacturing, the next example that we see is in medicine where you can kind of, uh, in, in this virtual way, interact with, with real physical space to better replicate the experience you may eventually have if you're doing a surgery or operation or something like this. And then the last example is in a creative setting inside of a, the a big theater and imagining what your creation is going to look like prior to making it in in that space that's kind of the way we've seen augmented up until this point is oh hey what is this couch gonna look like in my apartment 
and for whatever reason, that just hasn't really excited me. But the way it's being showcased here, all of a sudden, I'm back on board. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm I want to take a look at it. I want to see what we're up to. I want to see how much better it is now. It's also nice to see that Microsoft is invested. We got version two now. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff, the fringe stuff, will it gets talked about, fizzles out. But we got a V2. They're working on it. They're a big company. They got a few dollars. Yeah. It seems like their vision is really clear based on what they're doing here in this video. It's very like production. I'm creating something. I'm helping something. Instead of like a video game. You know, I like that. I like what you just said. Yeah, that's a good uh, analysis. The promo video, everyone is making things, mm-hmm. or making things, or doing an action with Hololens. Mm-hmm. They're really distancing themselves in a way from the VR connection, mm-hmm. which is more about entertainment, which they can so easily do. And they did do in the initial presentation of Hololens if you recall in the living room there and Space Invaders and whatever it was. So that is a that is a, an interesting observation and the reason I think it's probably important is the price tag for the Hololens. At 3500 bucks, how many gamers are prepared to take a risk for a little bit of novelty versus in the in a production environment where you may use this thing to enhance your productivity mm-hmm. now maybe it's more justifiable and we actually see a bigger footprint for these things mm-hmm. uh, a wider application and really that's what you need you need an obvious application for technology to properly advance and, and be adopted mm-hmm. and also it's just i mean also it's just cool you can imagine you can save lives with this thing i mean she's looking at the heart in ar man Apparently, yeah. She pulled a heart right out the body. Well, she had a AR version. She's looking at the aorta. AR aorta. You expect those two words today? Neither did I. Very cool. Hololens two. I don't know. We're getting one. Will they gonna send us one or what are we gonna do? I'm gonna try to get one. Will's gonna get one. That's what he does. Will he do? What would happen without him? Not much. This place would be a garbage can. So will he do? Board up the doors. You can now download the Google Stadia app from the Play Store. Okay. People are still going to play video games, Will. <laughs> Don't discount video game. Hmm. People are going to play. This is weird. They're letting you download the app prior to it launching. You can just have the app. You can get ready to go. You can sign up. Uh, there's an interesting tidbit here. When you go through the sign-up process, be careful which... Google account you use to register because it's your permanent choice. Mm. You will not be able to switch it at a later later date. I don't know if this affects many people. I have probably have too many Google accounts. Huh. So you can't transfer your high scores and stuff. I don't know why it would say that. I don't I don't know why they're so uh, serious about that, but I probably have 7 Google accounts. Not even lying. Yeah. So I would be careful which one I I register. Uh, apparently all you get right now is a splash page featuring a Destiny 2 promo. And then you can set up the, your, your account as well. If you ordered the Founders Edition or Premier Edition, I don't even know what the Premier Edition is. I only I, heard of the Founders Edition. Well, I think you just get a controller. With Premier? Yes. And what I do you get with... Founders, you get, um, 
the Chromecast. Oh, uh, okay, well. that makes sense. Uh, or are you speaking out of line there, Will? Are you spreading I, uh, are you spreading false information once again on the internet? It's what I'm constantly worried about here. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you do. Get oh, so the controller's different if you get Founders than Premier. Oh, okay. Well, Kirk's he's weighing in. He'd also like to misinform the internet himself. So he says the controller color changes depending on if you get the Premier Edition versus Founders. But Will can't confirm. He's just bouncing around no, the internet. No, you do get a Chromecast. He's just bouncing here. off the walls right now. What is the difference? Yeah, maybe it's a con maybe it's a controller difference. Is the price different? Premier Edition 169 includes Chromecast Ultra and three months. And then... Uh, and how about Founders? Let's see here. Founders Edition. Was it cheaper? Did you get a deal? Oh, that was Canadian price too, by the way. This is so rude what you're doing right now, Will. You're throwing us uh, all over the place. You're, yeah. you're, you're smacking us around. It's, uh, it's very rude. I think it might be sold out. Anyway, founders. nonetheless, it's, this is not incredibly important because the point I was trying to get at here is that uh, you, need, you need the invite code from either of those to get any further past the initial setup process that currently exists on the app. So obviously those individuals are going to get access Immediately, or not immediately, but on November 19th when uh, when Stadia becomes accessible. for Night Blue. Night Blue. All right. Kirk uh, has rectified the situation. It is no longer misinformation. There is a Night Blue controller that comes with the Founders Edition. And it's a white controller with the Premier Edition. So I don't know. They feel confident in that. I'm not going on record. I just I'm just making noises. I'm saying words. Squawking and the away. comments section will get it straight. They will never allow it to not be straight. They'll be down there. Night blue. They'll correct us. How dare you record a video? Not know about night blue. This this show is such a joke. These guys. Fake tech fans. It's clowns. Yeah, this show is a joke. I'm out of here. Unsubscribe. We'll go watch a real tech show. You know, real experts. Yeah. Guys, not guys like Willie Do. No, definitely not. Doesn't know about Night Blue. Lou. Just shouting. Doesn't know about Night Blue. What, Stadia again? Yes, yeah, Stadia. These guys. And stadia bit rate. Every uh, recite the stadia bit rate every night before bed. These guys. Negative lag. Yeah. Launch titles. What are these guys doing? Tech uh, tech experts. Don't even know how to spell stadia. Unsubscribe. These guys. Bunch of losers. Yeah. <laughs> Stadia, it's coming out, 19th. We got Stadia, two days later, we got Cybertruck. So. Exciting. Nice couple days in November for you. And we got Black Friday coming up after that, so you can buy something. Singles Day as well. Oh, yeah, Singles Day too. Wow, November, it's all happening. Alarming video shows driverless Tesla car cruising down the road the wrong way after being summoned by owner. This is this took place actually in BC, in Richmond, BC. Will you ever been there? 
Uh, no, I haven't. No. Why are you laughing right now? I is there a video? I just want to. Well, I'm oh, you don't like all these ads right now? Oh, look at for, this. For, oh okay, so goodness. for every for everybody look who at this. everyone's this, everyone's always slagging you, goodness. Will, for using uh, ad block. And this is why. And they're saying, okay, YouTube channel uses ad block uh, revenue. Losers. We're back on that topic. But look what happens to Will during the show if he tries to load an article. It's at least on YouTube. The advertising is a, a little bit more elegant. This is bananas, what he's experiencing right now. And this is dailymail.co.uk. So if you wonder why people are using AdBot, that is a terrifying future, is it not? Oh, I can't even see the article. It's like a quarter of the screen. It's so terrifying that There's if like our future looks images. like that in AR, will in a, that's what our AR vision will look like. Ugh. In order to subsidize our lives, we'll, you will be paid... A universal income to just wake up and look at a look at a landscape that looks like that. And they're all different ads too. Like there's no It's terrifying. It's a terrifying future. No anyway, uh footage of a dodgy driving. <laughs> of a dodgy, the dodgy. Oh, so there is footage. They say dodgy because it's co.uk. Uh. So dodgy driving was captured in Richmond, British Columbia. It's a model three. And it's in a parking lot. It's the summon thing. We've seen it a number of times. We've seen these, some of these things got scratched, scratched up. Uh, some of them almost hit people. The summon thing turned into a bit of a meme. Uh, you know what is weird, Will? This is the first time out of all these videos where I feel bad for the car. Is that weird? I feel sympathy for the car in this situation. If you see the video, scroll down one more. You can play the video here. I see it going down the wrong side of the street. And I feel kind of like a parent with a child. I feel like, oh, man. I feel like I want to reach out and hold its hand and just show it the right way. It's trying so hard to figure out where to go, and it's getting all screwed up. And there's pedestrians. You see the woman. She doesn't know if she should walk or not across the street. If scroll down to the next one, scroll down one more time. This is the uh, extended section of the thing. It Now it's on the wrong side of the parking garage, and it can't get to the owner who summoned it. And for some reason, for the first time, I feel sympathy for a robotic hmm. car being summoned. Autonomous driving car. I have no idea why. No idea why it hit me today. I've talked about it a number of times. I've seen the thing summoned before, moving around parking, lot, parking lots. I had no sympathy. Now, in this moment right here, maybe it's a... I don't know. The way it's just slowly creeping in this parking lot lost, there's so many people around. It's like a lost child. Yeah, it's clearly confused. And uh, it's using its, I guess, neurons to it doesn't try have, to compute. No, it doesn't have on. neurons. Well. well, in a way, like, you know, no, not, AI no, is not just at all. trying to no, no, find its no way. No neurons there at all. Hate to break it to you. Or bits. Or no, I hear you. I whatever. hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But, of course, I shouldn't have sympathy for it. If it hits somebody here, they're dead, and it doesn't have feelings, and it's it can be remanufactured, and those humans uh, can't, at least not in their current state. It's uh, These things obviously are not completely ready for prime time, which is unfortunate because the future is very exciting. Uh, but somehow it tricks me into feeling sort of sympathetic, which is strange. I do root for tech. I, I, I root for it in the sense that you see some new 
super complicated feature like this, you see it rolled out and it seems so, on paper, it's such an amazing concept. Mm -hmm. We're going to start summoning our vehicles to us. It makes our li lives easier. We, we free up more time to look at screens. <laughs> what are we even advancing towards anymore? I don't know, but nonetheless, uh, it's just another driverless summon story for us to examine. How does it make you feel? Do you get any of that sympathy? In a way, yeah. Mm. You know, especially if it's my car. You're like, hey, man, like, get it together. <laughs> That's not sympathy, uh, Will. Have a Snickers. And That's a, you got a different type of parenting right there. You're cracking the whip over there. Get it <laughs> together, have, car. I have the Tesla and a leash. Yeah. And, yeah. That's what it sounds like. Uh, anyway, lots of people... Apparently, I mean, the last tweet from Elon about Smart Summon said that 550,000 people had used it. That was on October 2nd. It's obviously way more than that now. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but I think we're going to... It's not going to be the last lost Tesla that we see either in the street or on video. That's just the latest. Coca-Cola is doing something I think is tremendously smart, unveiling a new smart, a sparkling water brand with a jolt of caffeine. This is some genius stuff right here. Huh. This is some high-level genius stuff. I mean, maybe they could have done it a, a, a while ago. Uh, obviously, coffee, incredibly popular. Coca-Cola, soda, uh, not as popular as it has been in the past, Will, and you got to do something about it. You need you need to keep going, keep growing. Um, so Coke has to look to new paths has to look in new directions for how to continue to grow and make up for the fact that people aren't drinking Coke the same way they were hmm. or any of the other brands of sweet, sweet drinks that humans are kind of leaving on the shelf now. Uh, there's been a lot of growth in general in the sparkling water market. Not just the water market, the sparkling water market. Very fast growing specifically. And so... Coke says, well, let's go for it. Now, believe it or not, they have had a sparkling water product. You may have seen it, the Dasani sparkling water can. Mm. But apparently they're going to move into this direction in, instead and go for a product called AHA, all caps. Now, that part of it, I'm not so sure of. AHA, but it could be the consequence of an AHA moment, the one I'm telling them to have. And so they've got a couple of different flavors, bunch of flavors coming out here. It looks very interesting. I like the cans. I'm thirsty. I, I'll I'll take one. It's smart. You're you're into it as well. Keep you hydrated, but also give you energy. You're into it as well. You know, like you don't need the sugar. Maybe get a no, no. tiny dose of caffeine, a little bit of flavor, and some bubbles. To, to break up the day, Kirk's intrigued as well. Look at him. He's staring those things up and down. So Pepsi's in the game as well. They have their own brand called Bubbly. But this is more interesting to me because they throw a little caffeine in there. Now, to, to, to be clear, not every flavor they're going to put out is going to have the caffeine. So the kids can get involved as well if they choose. Uh, only two flavors are going to have caffeine in them. And it's not going to be a tremendous amount of caffeine. It's going to give you a little boost. That's all there is to it. The two flavors which will have the caffeine, one of them is going to be a 
what is that? It is black cherry plus coffee flavor. That'll have a little ca caffeine. And then there's another one, which is citrus plus green tea. That's right up your alley, Will. Mm. Citrus plus green tea, sparkling water beverage. Uh, it's not going to be overly sweet, as you know, with these sparkling water beverages. But you're just going to have a hint of green tea and citrus and then a little bit of a boost. Are you are you lining up? You're gonna you're gonna have this on the desk soon. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm all in. Yeah, all so am best. I. So flavored sparkling water or seltzer has become a popular alternative for customers. In 2018, bottled sparkling water volume grew by 26% to 531 million gallons. It's growing at a faster clip than still water, which saw its volume increase only 4.2% in the same period. So 26% growth in the sparkling water. They're all coming after LaCroix, by the way. They kind of started the whole thing. Pepsi came into it. Coke is coming into it. They're going to have eight flavors in total. Like I said, six of the eight. No caffeine boost. Two of them will have it. They're focused. I'm interested. By the way, the sparkling water shipments for Coke jumped 27%, but the company's revenue declined 10%. It was still at $31.9 by the way, but that goes to show you that customers are moving away from the sugary drinks, which isn't, I mean, that's probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's probably better for, well, it's better for everyone because if people are healthier, particularly here, then they don't, then they're not in the hospital as much. They're not getting sick as often. It's better for everybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was an interesting uh, thought that I had. We were discussing the other day bottled drinks. Me and Kirk, Kirk were discussing bottled drinks. And I was trying to figure out if, uh, okay, the plastic bottles, they're bad for the environment. But if people are looking for con convenient beverages, and the water's not available, and the alternative is the sugary drink. What is the net? Do you see where I'm going here? The net difference. Because if people are choosing based on convenience, regardless, and if the bottled water wasn't there as a choice or the sparkling water, did they choose the sugary beverage instead based on these numbers here and then therefore end up in the hospital and... The entire footprint, the outcome of that versus the alternative of making water as convenient as possible, even at that one particular expense. Hey, in some cases, um, sugary uh, liquid is sometimes more expensive than water. I think you at mean the other way around. Convenience stores. You mean the other way around, right? Um, yeah, Wait. yeah, sorry. Water is more expensive. Right. Than, uh, sugary the sugary drinks. drink is incredibly convenient. So I had this experience at the hockey rink, the local hockey rink. They're trying to be bought water bottle free, but they still have the vending machines full right. of Coke. Yes. And then they have a water fountain, which you can fill your bottle with. So they say, we don't have to have water in the building because you can refill your bottle. But inevitably, someone doesn't have a bottle. Then they have to go to the machine, which is making the environmental statement against right. the thing. But you're in an athletic facility where people are playing hockey. And it's such a weird set of messages. Mm -hmm. We'll let you buy the Coke, but don't you dare drink a bottle of water. Yeah. Because of the environment. Mm -hmm. 
But then it's like, what goes into making the Coke, the container the Coke is in, the, to the carbon footprint in the Coke, if people select for it? It's all, uh, uh, it's, it's the same thing of, of the sinking ship with the holes in the ship. You, po you block the one, it's like the cartoon, and then mm -hmm. the other one starts. Like I was saying at the time we were discussing it. It's like nothing, everything has a reaction to it, every decision, and it, it becomes vastly more complicated when you scale it across the globe. But let's say, for example, Coke, the biggest player in sugary drinks, makes this decision to put their strength and marketing behind this AHA brand, what happens to the globe overnight with a 27% sales increase in people selecting for the convenient water drinks instead? I get it. The super environmentalists will sit there and say, they'll go to the extreme and say, well, just get the water from the tap. And then I'll say to you, that message led to people picking Coke for years at a crazy clip mm -hmm. because of marketing and convenience. So now you offer them this, and where did you end up? What was the better solution? Where did you create the correct equation to map according to what humans actually do and not hypothetically what you want them to do? Right. Where is your best net outcome? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a really slippery, difficult conversation to navigate, but... I look at those containers, they look so attractive. I imagine so many more people drinking, choosing water instead of Coke. And they're steel or and aluminum it's, cans. It's, it's actually coming from the company that was previously trying to sell you Coke. Mm -hmm. Do you see where I'm going here? Which is more important, more humans drinking water? You see, or, or, or more humans skipping water because sugar is actually more convenient and more tantalizing and more marketable. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Nonetheless, that's the area of the market that's growing. So I think that tells you something about human behavior. And I actually don't know. I, I presume aluminum is better than plastic, but I actually don't know the, the effect of shipping because you're still shipping tremendous amounts of heavy liquid around the planet which is kind of crazy, mm -hmm. obviously, when water is readily accessible. But that's just, hey, we're human beings. Those are fancy-looking cans. We're going to reach for them. Let's all get real. It's going to happen if it's available. It's like, ooh, color. You got it. What I'm trying to say is you got to get into the practical mindset. You have to think about what you're saying, not strictly hypothetically, not in the perfect scenario, but instead in the real dirty world down there in the gritty part of it where people are actually making decisions you look at the you look at the, the behavior mm -hmm. and then that informs your decision what's actually going to happen not how do i not in a perfect scenario how do i want things to be but instead look here's what we're working with here's here's what's real what's really happening and here's the small little it's always much smaller and and less uh, well, you're trying to go for like a more practical sense. I'm just talking. Yeah, I'm just, I, look, I'm just talking. Yeah. I'm just saying it's fine and good you sit around and talk about like strictly philosophically. That's fun. I don't, I like doing that too. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, it runs out of steam.
at, at a certain point, you got to live. You got to wake up in the morning and live with, what, 7 billion other humans yeah. and be cool about it and, and make stuff happen and make stuff work. And if you're yelling and screaming at each other all the time, it's, it, could, it could be a rough place. That's all. That's okay. all I'm saying. Uh, food is too tasty now. This, this kind of plays on what we were just talking about. How do, they have this individual, they came up with a way, various scientists actually, at the University of, of Kansas, they, they published some research relating to obesity. They came up with this term hyperpalatability. This is the idea uh, the, via their research that certain foods are just terrible for our brain, brain chemistry. Certain combinations of foods, we don't have control over our reaction to them or our ability to uh, manage consumption of them. Certain combinations, you know, you're eating chips and, and, and you get that moment of why am I reaching for more? I, I just don't even feel like them, but somehow you're almost on autopilot. You grab some next chips. Yeah, you just can't have one. Is that Lay's? Lay's uh, slogan. Yeah. It's baked in. Well, fried. There are baked Lay's as well. They're terrible, obviously, compared. <laughs> uh, so they, what they were trying to do via this study is put actual palatability scores on food and say to, to people who struggle with uh, diet, say, just avoid this crazy hyper stuff. Go ahead and have dessert. Just where is it on the palatability score? Because then you can shut it down before you've taken it too far. The researchers found that combinations of certain foods of ingredients create hyper palatability, certain combinations of certain types of ingredients. Combinations of fat and sodium, hot dogs, bacon, combinations of fat and simple sugar, cake, ice cream, brownies, and combinations of carbohydrates and sodium, pretzels, popcorn. Uh, these are the most dangerous types of combinations, supposedly. Hmm. And their findings showed that 62% of foods in the Department of Agriculture's Food and Nutrient Database met the definition of hyperpalatability, including 49% of items labeled as low, reduced, no sugar, fat, sodium, and or sugar. But I feel like I've actually experienced this where... If I, maybe I have a, a healthy snack, Will, um, you know what I've been eating a lot lately is uh, peas, like the snap peas. The snap peas. They're great. They're crunchy. It's a textual thing. They have a little bit of sweetness to them. Yeah. I sit there, I snack. It's a wonderful time. But I don't have that same, if you bust out the popcorn, which happens at my house from time to time, when are you done with the popcorn? Hmm. When are you done with the popcorn? No, no, that's a real uh, question. Uh, until it's finished. Yeah, that's you right. Know, I mean. You're never done with the... What kind of a... Because you know it's going to go bad and then you feel bad, so you got to finish it. You finish the popcorn. Right? Yeah. 
it's also just the way you eat it and it's it's a bowl and it's crunch it's got a crunch and a salt and it's just easy to keep going there do you ever sometimes there's foods you just don't want anymore natural foods <laughs> for real try and eat a bowl try and eat an entire bowl of kale you're tapping out <laughs> raw onion a, a, a bowl of raw broccoli you Crap. tap out it is not hyper palatable you tap out before you're full mm-hmm. you're just chewing a lot the i mean fibrous sh- stuff on this on this article they show a picture of a piece of pizza a slice of pizza it has pepperoni cheese bread carbohydrate fat sodium you're dead you are dead try to stop midway through that slice try to take the one bite that person took you put pineapple on exactly then you get the sweet there and now you are super mega hyper palatable you're dead you'll you will not see tomorrow if you do that Uh, anyway they're saying that via the research, they can now suggest that rather than cutting out all desserts or all chips, for example, consumers might only need to avoid those that meet the nutritional definition definition of hyper palatability. So in a way, you can pick stuff that isn't going to redline your brain and your taste buds and throw you into psycho mode. But instead, maybe you can intentionally pick a chip that tastes worse. Hmm. So then you know when to tap out. You can actually actually have enough control in the moment to say, oh, yeah, I'm eating chips right now. I can taste the fact that I'm done with these chips. Hmm. I have six and I'm done. It's palatable, but not hyper. Right. You because if you walk middle ground, if you walk through through the supermarket, well, as you would, I know you do. Hmm. It's an odd concept to think I'm going to buy stuff that doesn't taste that good. I'm going to buy stuff that just tastes okay. Yeah, and actually you have to make it. It's it's a whole thing, too. <laughs> Go on. You know, like if I have to buy potatoes, I know I have to cook it, which does take time. But Where I, are you feel, going with I, feel, I feel good about it because it is not the best tasting, but it's actually knowing that it's nutritious and oh i see where you're going you're saying picking the real ingredients instead of the prepared stuff that's easier yes yeah i mean i there's like a pizza section i can just go there and it's like literally have a pizza so while i'm grocery shopping but then like you know there is appreciation to getting like the the nutritious stuff okay but here's here's what i'm suggesting well i'm saying you go through the supermarket and there's a rack of chips that are delicious Right above them, it says a headline, delicious. Next to that is a rack of chips that says less delicious. Which rack is going to be empty and which one's going to be full? But it's a weird concept. Imagine showcasing your discipline and saying, I don't need the most delicious one. Today, I'm fine with the less delicious one, which is still delicious. It's just less delicious. It's weird. When it comes to food, we don't put a limitation on delicious. We say maximum we select max all the time now imagine elsewhere in your life if you always imagine if you got in your car and you selected max max speed on the way home you're dead but because the food thing happens slowly you die slowly you say yeah yeah i I want delicious yeah today i want delicious so it's a but it's it's a weird relationship we have with it 
But you would choose snap peas over chips. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Even though it might not be the most delicious, you would still choose them. Yeah, and I, and I do all the time. But what I'm suggesting, what I'm saying here is that everyone knows the snap peas are not chips. What I'm saying it is... It could be a good substitute. No, but what I'm saying is replace the product category. Let's say they come up with this designation of hyper palatability mm. that we're talking about. Imagine if every object in the supermarket had a score. Right. I'm saying, are people capable? Do people have the discipline necessary to look at that and say, I'm intentionally going to pick in the same product category something that tastes worse? Because I'm yeah. saying we do it elsewhere in life all the time. We say to ourselves, we showcase discipline and say, I don't need to do the craziest version of it. Yeah. I, I don't. Speed is a good example with the car, but I'm sure there's other. I don't need a thousand dollar phone. Sure. Get a well, well, with cost, with money, phone. we do that, too. We, we're able to showcase the yeah. fact that we don't have to be crazy with it. Not with taste. That, yes. The tastiest stuff. Okay, so Kirk says it's biological. Hence them finding that it does, it messes with our brain chemistry. This stuff, this combination of ingredients. Of course, that biology would have evolved during a period in which we would have only had access. We wouldn't have had access to some of these comp. You didn't have pizza! No, but in, in our past, we would hoard, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but how much of it do you want to eat? Without the combinations we're talking about, you just tap out. You're just, I've had enough. Okay, I'm good. Like, your brain trigger is correct when you're dealing with real natural foods. Your brain works. It yes. says, okay, you're done. But it doesn't work with popcorn. And it doesn't work with chips. They're saying they found that in their study. So you need to know, if you, know, if you have the knowledge going into it to work with it, do you select those items at all? If you know they're... Uh, wreaking havoc on your brain chemistry i think it's subjective there are times when you know there's moderation and then other times you kind of just go all out that's why cheat day exists yeah but but what i'm suggesting is 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 that the healthiest way to do it the idea at all of subjecting your brain to this onslaught do we have a choice i guess you could stay away from delicious things that, so that seems terrible. That sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's so. But imagine if everything in the supermarket had a score. It was 96. Or if they came up with a way through this research to put a palatability score mm. of how much it's going to destroy, uh, like the potency of a drug. Like when you're, buy when you're, when you're shopping at the beer stores, you know, 5% alcohol. Imagine if the food had a palatability rating. Yeah. palatability rating hmm. would the store be wiped out of the tens and just or yeah people would buy it's it's bizarre that a taste rating mm -hmm. backed by science i think people would feel guilty walking out with a cart full of tens You'd be, the cashier be looking at you like geez what do you need in your life relax yeah. get a couple fours in there Get a three in there. You got to be a 10 every time you take a bite. Mm -hmm. Relax. But you see, if you walk out with a tub of Ben and Jerry's, a bag of popcorn and some Lay's, no one cares. They're like, all right, that's a night. You're having a night. Mm -hmm. You're having a time. Mm -hmm. That's all there is to it. Look, I don't. 
this could be a depressing concept because now you're saying you can quantify everything. Can't you just enjoy yourself? But that's human. As we've done that with almost everything else. Yes. So it's a it's some interesting research. What they're what they're also saying is that some people it affects more, and of course obesity is some kind of epidemic, diabetes and things like this, and maybe certain people's brain chemistry it's not. Mm-hmm. They're picking these things and and legit can't cut it off at the right can't point. Put it down, yeah. Can't, and and that's that's a that's an intense concept. People came in and they said what they said about vapes. People came in and they said what they said about cigarettes. Maybe in a hundred years, people will look at that tub of ice cream the same way. I don't know. I'm just a guy. I'm just I'm just talking today. Today I'm just talking. Maybe uh, people should get hypnotized or something. I heard that works. <laughs> Willie Doo's also talking today. I'll tell you Quit what. smoking kind of thing. All right, last one for me. New York woman in Bronx Zoo lion enclosure stunt went viral. <clears throat> I don't even know what to say about this one, man. I just... She jumps in the lion enclosure. She's kind of taunting the lion... She puts it on her Instagram, and she also captions that she's not afraid of the police. If I walked in the lion den, do you think for one second I'm scared of a handcuff? I'm scared of a jail cell? What a way to spend an afternoon doing it for the Instagram post. So there's a video here, obviously. She was is she incredible. Gonna get, is she going to get mauled? No, she doesn't get mauled. She okay. survives. The lion is pretty chill this day. He probably just ate. So she stands next to it. Yeah, you can play the video. Uh, the lion stares her down. I think the lion is thinking what I'm thinking. What is this? What is this crazy person doing inside of my enclosure right now? Now, the thing is, the cops found her. After the fact, they were able to track her down. They put out a post uh, looking for tips, information. They had, a obviously, an image of her and an account. So it was only a matter of time. And so she is. She actually did get arrested for this particular stunt. And, of course, Will, this stunt is a problem for, for, well, for more than one reason, not just for the fact that it's incredibly dangerous for the individual, but also... The Instagram post presumably gets a lot of attention. And then people, impressionable people who happen upon the content, think they're going to go get that next hot post as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe do uh, some sort of similar stunt themselves. So it's just not, obviously not a very r- responsible thing to get up to, I would say. Now, maybe this person is not su- super healthy. I'm not really sure. Uh, People, maybe some people don't understand the potential that exists hopping into a lion's Mm -hmm. enclosure like this. Uh, If you've never seen it before, I I don't even think you should go and seek it out because when it does, when when the the lion or tiger actually attacks and you get a sense for that power, all of a sudden that's a lesson. You're going to learn some lessons. Mm -hmm. If this lion, if the switch flipped, that lesson's gonna be quick. That's gonna be a quick lesson. Quicker than than quicker than a high school classroom. 
tell you what. Now, what's weird about this clip as well to me is the fact that the person shooting it, if you examine the clip, the, the beginning part of the clip, well, if you just, can you rewind on here? Not really. At the beginning part of the clip, you can see the fence to the enclosure as well as the sign talking about African lion. A am I crazy? Does that look too low? This enclosure? Because the person is standing way up, the camera angle is way above that fence. And there's a shoulder of another person to the left, and all of a sudden, I'm questioning what's even going on at the Bronx Zoo. How easily this woman got in there, and then the height of the enclosure. Now, granted, I understand you want to catch a good glimpse. Maybe there's another wall there that I can't see. But she got in there, and the camera angle looks like this. So it's a lot of questions for me. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, don't do it, children. Uh, obviously, she's been caught now, arrested. 32 years old, uh, social media phenomenon. It's crazy. I don't, I don't really understand it. I can't really grasp it, but people will do what people do. And just when you think people won't do what people do, people go out and do what people do. So it's 2019. What a time to be alive. We got Coca-Cola. They're not even making Coca-Cola anymore. They're not even interested in Coca-Cola. They're not even trying to get you on the sugar anymore. Look at that. I want to keep you hydrated. That's a development. Mm -hmm. We're talking taste in 2019 as well in the supermarket. We also learned that Willie Do likes to cook potatoes sometimes. And it's a big deal. It's a big commitment <laughs> when he does. <laughs> Takes half an afternoon. <laughs> it's a big commitment when Willie Do does. Uh, of course... The Huawei story to kick it all off. We'll see what happens with that. Paper airplane talk. iPhone SE 2 going to sell a boatload in Willie Do's words. Maybe Apple will fix the MacBook. Uh, Tesla is cuter than I originally thought when it's in summon mode, just searching for its owner like a lost child. 2019, Will. What do you have to say to the people out there? What's your message before we leave? Stay safe. Look at nature, take a walk, and uh, don't take things too seriously. Okay. You know? I like that. Yeah. Live life.